Hello and welcome to Rocket, Accelerated Geek Conversation. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace and Eero. I'm Simone de Rochefort, video producer at Polygon.com, and I am joined by Brianna Wu, Democratic candidate for Congress, and Christina Warren, Senior Content Project Manager at Microsoft. Welcome. Hello. To our 45 minutes late podcast. <laughs> I know. I know. We are we we find ourselves in dongle hell for this show because uh I was trying to record it and I somewhere along the way lost my MacBook uh USB-C adapter and we were unable to start the show until I went to our campaign office and got another Mac home to record this on. Christina so, is the only one of us who hasn't done something wrong tonight that's that right, delayed that's the right. show. That's like well, most I shows mean, though. Which is yeah. typical that's actually. not true. That's not true. Remember, remember remember like the three weeks in a row that I didn't Dropbox sync my show and I had to like I remember one time I was I was working at Mashable and I had to leave work in the middle of the day and claim that my husband had an emergency. You know what the real emergency was? I hadn't Rocket. uploaded Rocket to Dropbox <laughs> and Steven was going to kill me and so I left in the middle of the day and like and, and then came back. It was it oh was like God. two hours out of my life. But uh, sessions limitations, right? So if you're listening yeah. to this, uh, former coworkers, uh, that time I left work two years ago. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Also, counterpoint that it, it was, as you said, like two years ago. <laughs> yeah. I know every journalist at Mashable is just sitting there and they're listening to this and they're just shaking their hands, their heads at the 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 broken like rules of decorum. Like, yeah. Actually, they're them, not Christina. angry. They're just disappointed. Yeah, Christina. They're disappointed. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> so so before I start the show this week, guys, y'all, I am I am angry. I'm really angry. All right, tell us why. Um, it's, it's not really new news, but uh, you know, an update came out from Mass Effect Andromeda this week, basically, you know, confirming that they were not going to do any more development on it. Uh, no DLC was going to be coming out, which was a really big surprise since DLC was such a huge part of Mass Effect uh, two and three. Um, and you know, basically, it backs up a um, a story that came out of Kotaku a few uh, months ago. You know, looking at the extremely troubled development behind uh, Mass Effect Andromeda. Uh, and long story short, you know, when they shipped the game, they knew it was flawed. Uh, they didn't understand just how poorly it was going to be uh, received. And they've essentially uh, torpedoed the Mass Effect uh, franchise. Uh, you know, at least for a few years now. So it doesn't look like we're going to be getting a sequel to Mass Effect Andromeda. And, uh, you know, this team really blew it. Um, and I'm just feeling really angry about it. Like the way some people love Star Wars, I love Star Wars too, mm -hmm. but I really love Mass Effect. And the game is just, I mean, it's, it's Simone, you've played it. I mean, my opinion is it's really, really bad. I mean, how do you feel? I did not enjoy Mass Effect Andromeda. I was actually talking about this this weekend with another friend who absolutely adores the franchise. And we had the same experience where we were like, yeah, the beginning was okay. And then at a certain point, we kind of put it down and didn't come back. And there was no compulsion to come back. And that's I, really I actually, disappointing. I played it actually a little bit when it first came out because I was reviewing a laptop and I was like putting some stuff on it and I've enjoyed, I'm not like a, a fan like you guys are, but I've enjoyed past Mass Effect games and I was looking at the previews, I remember seeing the preview at, at, at CES, I think NVIDIA showed it off. I was like, oh, this looks really good. And then I just, I, I just wasn't, yeah, it didn't suck me in. 
Yeah, it's not, it doesn't have a strong beginning. And I, Brie, I know you have a lot of opinions about what they did with making an open world game similar yeah. to No Man's Sky rather than a more linear story-based game like the previous games in the series. Right. I mean, people play Mass Effect because you love the writing and the stories. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you know, the original Mass Effect is like this really cosmic you know, adventure about, you know, something that spans all galaxies and time and a woman that puts everything on the line and sacrifices everything to stop this like galactic cycle of extinction and rebirth by the hands of this artificial AI. It's a really, really poignant story Mm -hmm. about, about human nature and the conflicts and wars and, and hatred that we all have for each other. And they took that and they really turned it into Kitty Quest in space. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's 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 a bunch of like children that get a spaceship and they don't really have any perspective beyond themselves, and they're not really fighting for anything beyond themselves. And the writing is just terrible, and you're repeating the same bad, you know. Mako exploration, and it's just a... And you have to scan everything. Everything. And you're just building up bases. It's 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 a betrayal of the franchise. And, um, you know, I, I, I almost am happy they made this decision because I don't think this is a concept that can be saved. And I do think they need to go back to the drawing board. I have an update on this that was actually published just a couple hours ago um, on GameSpot. Uh, so Patrick Soderlund talked to them or talked talk to another uh, outlet, actually, and said and th- so he's an EA exec. And this isn't I guess this is just one person talking, but he says, quote unquote, I see no reason why we shouldn't come back to Mass Effect in a few years in a right. and it would have to be, quote unquote, in a relevant way, in a fresh, exciting place because of. I mean, what happened with Andromeda and the response to Andromeda. Yeah, yeah. So so they're going to do what Microsoft did with Halo, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Or EA but that's what it's, but sorry, Yeah, Bob. but that's that's what it sounds like. Because they, 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 they shut down a lot of, or they they, they pared down the studio that, that did Mass Effect, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yep. uh, um, uh, BioWare Montreal. Um, and a bunch of people have left. They brought people in. So yeah, I mean, to me... I think I'm with you, Brie. Like, there's no way that you would totally get rid of the franchise, yeah. right? Like, like the brand is too powerful, but this probably, this didn't do well. They spent five years on it. Jason's article on Kotaku, um, I do remember now that you mentioned that, reading that, like, his long form about everything that, like, went wrong in the development process was really a great read. Like, I, I feel like, okay, you step back, you assess, and then you come back. And, you know, a little bit later, maybe with a different perspective. I feel like they, they tried to modernize it into something that it was never meant to be in the first place. Right. Which, ugh, it, it's disappointing. I'm also... You don't, I'm also you don't play it to be an open world game. You don't play it to scan planets. You play it because you care about the conflicts and the characters and the stories. And rather than like quadrupling down on a bunch of procedurally generated planets, uh. this should have gone the other way. They should have brought in the best level designers in the business. You know, I'm playing uh, Lost Uncharted right now, uh, Lost Legacy, which has, um, you know, it has Claudia Black from Stargate as like the hero mm-hmm. uh, with Laura Bailey. And they go the opposite direction. They have the best level designers in the business creating this gorgeous like path for you to go to that's really meaningful. God, I need to play and, that game. 
It's really good. Hmm. It's really good. Um, but anyway, I'm just really disappointed. It's not a topic. I just wanted to tell you all I'm disappointed. <laughs> We're having about a, that. a a rant, yeah. a rant sesh. Yes, a rant. Uh, which brings us, I guess, to our first topic, which is every single phone in the entire world, or rather, <laughs> just the Android related ones. So a few things are happening. Uh, one is that the Galaxy Note Eight is coming out soon, and there are previews up for it right now. Um, and also the essential phone is also has been reviewed. So which one of these things do we want to tackle first? Well, and, and neither one of them know, we know when it's going to get Android, uh, Oreo, which was exactly. just announced too. Yeah. <laughs> they're both running on Nougat. Yeah. They're both running on Nougat and, and, um, you know, essential, which was Andy Rubin's, uh, you know, the, the creator, original creator of Android, his first phone, he apparently like he's said in blog posts that they worked with Google and. And Google even name-checked um, Essential as one of the manufacturers who will be getting, as well as Samsung, as, as people who will be getting Oreo by the end of the year. But it's not clear when. So mm-hmm. you've got, like, these flagship phones. You know, both of them are expensive. We'll, we'll talk about that, I think, a little bit. Um, like, the, the the Galaxy Note 8, uh, which hopefully won't explode, is, is going to be, like, $950 in the U.S. unlocked. Uh, the Essential phone is an expensive phone as well. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's sort of bad. T- I mean, to me, this kind of like it's a beautiful confluence of, of stars aligning much like the <laughs> yeah. eclipse which happened this week yes. question doesn't it depend somewhat on the carriers when they'll get oreo also yeah the, well yeah they have to go through testing but i mean i think that this just kind of you know crystallizes a lot of the problems android has right is that you have you know Google announcing Android Oreo and obviously the Pixel phones are going to be getting it and mm-hmm. some other things too. And then everybody has to do their own testing depending on how um, <laughs> much they customize stuff. Then the carriers have to get involved and it's like, okay, it's it's the end of the year and your brand new phone you buy today finally gets the software, the, the latest software. It, it's it's a, to me, I think it kind of, for a while Google had talked about working with manufacturers more like in, in concert so that they would be on the, the same cadence so that you wouldn't have things like arguably, you know, one of your biggest flagship phone releases of the year, the Galaxy Note 8 coming out before or it being announced basically within the same, within two days <laughs> of you announcing the next version of your operating system. Like in a night, in a perfect world, what would happen is that, you know, Samsung would have shown off the Galaxy Note 8 and said, oh, and by the way, it's it's running our own customized version of Oreo. God, but that, that would have been beautiful. To, right? I mean, like the, you would think that that's what, what everyone involved would want to do, but I, I guess... That's not the case, but uh, but no. Let, let's let's like a start with uh with the essential. Uh, oh, phone. I want to talk about this. I want to talk yeah, about yeah. this because because we talked about this phone when it was first announced. This is obviously getting a ton of hype. I I argue the only reason anybody cares about this at all is because Andy Rubin's behind it. I think oh, if you yeah. were to if you were to, but I think if you were to show off this phone, show off these features, have everything about it be the same, no one would care. And in fact, I think a lot of people would be like, really? So. <laughs> you know, but, but we all kind of got, got, you know, especially kind of the, the, the Android fanboys, everybody kind of got like, you know, hot and was like, oh, you know, this is going to be, you know, a big flagship killer and, and this is the next big phone company and this and this and this. Now the phone is out. The reviews are out. What do you guys think just based on reading the reviews? So I'm really excited about this. Um, and I, I agree with you, Christina. I'm probably buying into the hype. But, um, you know, I what I wanted to see from this phone wasn't something really revolutionary as much as it was a good start. 
I think people forget just how terrible the G1 Android phones were when they came out. Like they were really yeah. bad. Um, yeah, this phone, I think it's gorgeous. I think the design of it is really impressive. Uh, you know, the the little you know module on the back of it for a 360 degree camera. Stupid. It's a gimmick. It looks dumb. I've never even used the panorama feature on my iPhone for real. <laughs> so I, I don't think that matters. But I think the core of the phone, like what I'm really excited about is the uh, the materials look really, really solid. Um, and, you know, it doesn't really mess anything up. It's not like a, a killer phone, but it's certainly a good first attempt. And I have to tell you, like, I always carry two phones on me, like my iPhone for my really private stuff uh, with my campaign and my Android number, which is one I give out to normal people. And I do imagine this will be my next Android phone I buy. I definitely so you would get this. Over- oh, sorry. Go on. No, no, no. Go on. Go on. I was just going to talk about the look of it because that to me is the most striking thing, especially after looking at the back of the Note 8, which we'll talk about right. later. It's the bane of my existence. Um, not my full opinion of the phone again, but the back of it is hideous. Anyway, it is. the Essential obviously doesn't have that problem. It's got that ceramic back that apparently picks up fingerprints like nobody's business and a titanium um, rim and it looks gorgeous and heavy and the screen is freaking huge other than that though there's not really many exciting things about it to me it doesn't have the headphone jack it doesn't have waterproofness which like nope. shr- i'm problem. kind of shrug on both of those but even i guess in terms of other fun software things that they could have done i got a lot more excited excited reading reviews about the note 8 than i did about the essential phone which is not something i fully expected i didn't expect to care about either of them for me embedded in the apple ecosystem as i am but this this yeah. was kind of just like all right again like, like you said brie I, I think it is it's a good start um, but I'm not like super pumped. Yeah, I, I, Bria, I, I want to ask you because you said this might be your next Android phone, so you would get the essential over the next Google Pixel. Well, Ooh. I would look at that. I mean, you know, I think that's it's it's the kind of thing I would try want to try back to back. Uh, I would definitely pick it up over a Samsung. Like I've given them um, a go three times now. I just don't like I don't like TouchWiz. I don't like the policies of the company particularly. Um, you know, I want to run stock Android. So mm-hmm. I think what I'd probably do is, you know, go check out both the phones in person because they're they're very close. Um, but yeah, I think just to be really honest, uh, Simone, like waterproofness, that is a bit of a deal breaker for me. That has saved my iPhone like at least four times at this point. Uh, but it's it's the materials Dang. of it. You know, mm-hmm. I expect it to really feel very premium when you touch it. It looks friggin' premium. I have a question, I guess, going back to updating to Oreo and the OS. If, say, you got this phone unlocked and not tied to a specific carrier, do you think that it could potentially get these updates sooner than... In theory. Okay. In theory. Not like like as soon as the Nexus and the Pixel, but first in line after the Google phones? 
Yes. I mean, it, it depends on what sort of modifications they're making. And from what it seems like, it seems like they are basically just doing the stock Android experience for right now, which makes sense, right? Like, like this is, you know, Andy Rubin knows better than anybody else about what fragmentation does. And, and there would be a, a huge amount of irony if, if the guy who kind of was always trying to fight the fragmentation of Android then created his own Android phone that then fragmented things <laughs> further. Um, but yeah, but I mean, but it's not going to ever be on the same cadence as, you know, say, say the Pixel phones or, or the Nexus phones. Um, but yeah, in theory, they could get them out very, very quickly. They would just need to be sure that the chipsets were tested against things, the components were, were tested against, and, and then you know push it out. So if you got it unlocked, that would be fine. I have a couple of concerns with this phone. It does look really nice. It looks like a really nice phone. But I have a couple of concerns. One, I think that the uh, magnetic accessory thing, I, I've written before, I think modular phones are never going to be a thing. And I, I stand it. by that. It's uh, a gimmick. I, it's 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 a complete gimmick, and I think if you want a 360 camera, you're going to buy a, a a Samsung 360. You know what I mean? You're going to get one of those things. Imagine um, carrying have, that thing around in your purse. Uh, you won't having a purse it, full of of modules to like tag onto your phone. Yeah, imagine it falling off. There's just all kinds of imagine things. being um, a non purse carrier. Right. What are you going to uh, do imagine, now, dudes? Uh, you have it in your back pocket. You're not like Andy that's the Rubin thing. brings out his purse. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. You have to have the merch for your phone. Um, the, my my secondary concern. I'm I'm with you, um, Bree. Like I my since the iPhone seven came out with the water with you know the waterproofing, like it's definitely saved me. And at this point in 2017, I mean, I felt like Apple was late, frankly, with the iPhone seven and seven plus with the waterproofing thing. At yeah. this point, I feel like you know in 2017, it's it's kind of especially when you're charging seven hundred dollars for a phone, it doesn't feel right to not have it be waterproof. A headphone jack, I don't care. Um, look, the headphone jack is dead. We've all kind of come to accept that. I would have been more surprised if it did have a jack, to be honest. But but I don't like that it's not waterproofed. Uh, and, and then, but I guess my biggest thing is, um, you know, they're selling this um, unlocked. You can get it unlocked. But the only carrier they were able to get any sort of agreement with is Sprint. And like, come on, who who wants Sprint? No one in their right mind. And so <laughs> I guess like the phone looks cool and and they've ra- and Andy has continued to raise money and that's awesome for them. But like, I don't know how this ever competes. I still don't know how this ever competes in, in, in the real world if you can't get on major uh, on on the actual carriers that people have their phones on. Um, and when you're introducing your phone at a time where you know, the if it'd be one thing I think that the phone had made its deadline, like if it was supposed to ship before it shipped. If it had shipped earlier in the summer, I think it would have had some time Ooh. to kind of be the new hotness. Yeah. At this point, it's literally shipping the day like like the week before the Galaxy Note eight is announced. Um, which is, you know, even if you like the stock Android experience and you like some of the other premium things, a lot of people are, are going to be looking at the Galaxy Note 8. We're going to talk about that. It's also, you know, the, the next pixel is around the corner. Like you're at this point now where a lot of really big flagship phones are coming out. And then this is still running like the same specs of the flagship stuff that came out like six months ago. So I don't know. I I, um, I think it looks really nice. Um, the reviews have been interesting to me. I'd love to hear you guys' thoughts and that everybody seemed to want to really like the phone. And then just kind of walked away with yeah it's a good first effort um the camera uh, from from what a lot of the reviews i was i was reading you know weren't positive about it which is a problem right like I, the, I, the, the the update did fix that quite a bit okay fair enough but like you know that's still a concern i i, yep. I don't you know a, a camera to me is is very important for a phone i'm one of those people who i'm willing to give a lot of la- uh, like uh, a lot of uh, clearance on a phone if it's less expensive. So for instance, the OnePlus, 
I really like those phones. Um, the the Android um, uh, skin is pretty lightweight. They have good components. Are the cameras as good as you're going to get on a Pixel or an iPhone? No, but um, they're good and, and and the software tends to work pretty well. But I'm willing to give them quite a bit of a pass for a lot of things because they're inexpensive. It's hard for me to give a phone a pass when it's $700 just because, oh, well, this is the first time they've done a phone. Like, okay, mm. well, congratulations, it's your first phone, but we're in a saturated, mature smartphone market. That I, like that doesn't mean me as a consumer should care that, that this is your first time. Like, I'm glad that it seems like it's a good device, but I just don't know, like, realistically from a market perspective, why anybody's going to care about this when nobody cares about the Pixel and that has Google behind it. I don't know. That's a good point. Yeah, I think that's fair. I Disruption. Think it's fair. But, but, I, but I do think it looks really, really, I mean, the design is really good. I don't um, think we're disagreeing on anything here. Yeah. I mean, I think it's <laughs> I think the degree the the small difference is I would consider getting this and you wouldn't, Christina. No, I wouldn't. And and me only because of my job I have to have multiple phone numbers right. and that's it. So And you know, Christina and I are not in that we're 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 embedded. <laughs> no, it's weird though. I have actually been considering getting an Android device just so I can play around with stuff. And it's been a weird thing where I'm trying to figure out like what phone I get. And and it is, it's like because they're getting so expensive, which is a good segue to the Galaxy Note 8, um, it's I, I do think that if I were to get one, mm-hmm. I would probably get something cheaper like a OnePlus. All right. Well, let's talk about that uh almost thousand dollar elephant in the room, quite literally, because yeah. it's freaking massive. The Galaxy Note 8, which is trying to wipe from our memories the uh, Note, the exploding Note 7, which we covered multiple times uh, over the last year. So Mm -hmm. the Note 8, smaller battery, and a bunch of stuff that made me really excited. Like it, again, in terms of phone quality. Looks good, minus the back, which is again hideous with its dual cameras really? and fingerprint sensor. I think it's really ugly too. In this yeah, huge black wow. bar at the top of the the phone, I hate it. I love the front of the phone. I I love to see it arrive. I I hate to watch it go, but I also love to wait. Hmm, I love to watch it you arrive. Do- okay, yeah, you love to watch it arrive. You don't want to watch it go away. Like you want to ignore it. Yeah, when my phone it, it, is walking it, across the floor to me, I'm like, "Come you, here." You don't want to check out its butt because that's it. It doesn't have a good. It doesn't have a good butt. <laughs> it's hideous. But the camera's freaking awesome. <laughs> I I can't believe I disagree with both of you. Oh, I tell think, me. I think the back of it is gorgeous. I think. Really? Um, well, okay. I don't think it's gorgeous. I do think that I find the. I I accept that the back of a phone is going to be a compromise with the camera. And I just find the freaking bump on the iPhone so annoying that this just at least seems like it's in a a place that will be less annoying, if that makes sense. So Yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I've never I mean it's not as bad as the A hole phone, which we're going to be covering <laughs> later. Oh, I can't but even wait. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so this so camera, divided though we may be on our opinions of its aesthetic on the phone body. Uh, does a lot of cool stuff. It has image stabilization built in, and you can swipe on the screen to focus, to live focus it, like as you're taking pictures or even in post, which is really, really freaking cool. It looks like, I think, one of the most gorgeous sort of camera experiences in terms of actually taking photos that I've ever seen. Um, 
I don't know. How do you guys? What do you? What's appealing about this phone, or not appealing about this phone to you two? Well, I don't know if it's going to blow up or not. <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> I mean, I guess we being, do still being, need to talk about that because that. Yeah, they had that. I mean, problem last year that they tried multiple times to deal with and never quite solved it to the point where the Note I mean, Seven a, is no it, more. I mean, it was it was a supply chain, not a supply chain thing so much as it was it was a manufacturing thing with the battery is what the um, group that was determined, you know, to to figure out what happened did. Mm-hmm. Like there was the whole inquiry and whatnot. And I remember watching that press conference and writing about that. And and you know, the phone itself was fine. The components were fine. Um, the the first battery was not manufactured to spec. The second battery they were moving too fast and things got smushed that shouldn't have been smushed. So that was, it was, it was kind of, it was unfortunate. So, I mean, with, with the right sorts of, um, you know, checks in place, hopefully they won't have a problem. I will say this, if Samsung, and it's not just this phone, if they ever have another phone ever that the, the, the catches on fire that where it's a significant problem, I don't know if Samsung can continue to use the galaxy name. Um, I'm actually a little surprised that they kept the galaxy note brand. I'd heard that they were going to retain it, um, a, a year ago, you know, if we talked about this, or I guess even like last October when the recalls and stuff happened, I think I even said on the show, I was like, there's no way the, 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 the note brand survives. And I am actually shocked that it survived. Uh, I think from people that I've talked to after I'd kind of made my, my initial assessment, um, from what I understand, the people in Korea who make those decisions were, were very, felt very strongly about keeping the name alive and, and not kind of, you know, giving into a rebranding effort. I think if this were, if it had been up to the American uh, side of the business and, and, or if this were a, 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 an American company, you probably would have seen a name change, but I do kind of wonder I, uh, what sort of impact that's going to have on sales. Although maybe it won't have any, I mean, I've seen so many um, galaxy S eights around uh, campus at work. Like I've genuinely seen so many people out and about with the galaxy S eight uh, it, it hasn't seemed to damper that at all, but I do wonder, you know, if if the note uh, fiasco is going to do anything. They are. It, it's worth uh, saying that if you did have a Galaxy Note um, Seven and, and, and exchanged it for another one of the Samsung phones, Samsung is doing a trade in. Depending on what phone it is, will give you, you know, a certain amount of money um, off of a. Uh, of, of your your Note Eight, so they they have you know trade in policies and whatnot. And back to the fold. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you know, totally. I mean, it, it. How much? I don't know. I think I feel like if I bought one of the phones and I had to re- I had to deal with the recall twice. I don't know if I'd be personally yeah, willing be to go through that off. again. I, yeah. I probably would be like, all right, I'll I'll give you a. In, let's talk in a year, Samsung. I'll talk to you in a year. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do this right now. But I mean, you know, the phone looks. Sorry, go on. That's interesting. I guess because. As we said, this isn't launching with Oreo. It's launching with Nougat. Maybe a year from now would be the right time to hop on this phone. Yeah, or or the Note 9, you know? Mm. Um, like, that would be my take on that. I'd be like, okay, I'm not going to get this year's Note because yeah. I was burned last year. But maybe I'll, I'll, I'll you know, reassess things in August of, of 2018. Um, I will say this, you know, what, they, what Samsung is always really good at doing is kind of showing off these software features and kind of the way things work together and, and it, it makes it look really impressive. I don't know, though, if I ever know anybody who actually ever uses them. That, it, I, if listeners, if, if you guys have feedback, you can email us and, and like let us know or tweet me, you know, at me on Twitter and let me know if you use any of the, the, those features because I always am impressed by those sorts of things, but then I don't know if anyone in the real world actually uses them. Mm-hmm. I have to say as i was i know we can't totally divorce it from the context of the exploding phones because that was a huge deal 
But the laundry list of just qualifications of this phone, like I'm reading through it going, oh, yeah, that good water resist. Oh, 1440p mm-hmm. AMOLEDs. Okay, micro SD card expand. Okay, biometric stuff. I'm reading Gizmodo's review in case you couldn't tell. And the awesome camera. Like the, there's nothing, there was nothing in the discussion of the features of the phone that made me go, eh, I don't know about that. Like I even got really excited about the um the pair app feature, which lets you kind of mush two apps together so that when you open them, they open um split screen. I was like, oh, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, so that's, in, in that's terms cool. of a laundry list of quali- or of of qualities of a phone, this was the first thing that made me go, ah, I actually kind of want that. It's still not enough to make me actually want to switch OSs because I am a truculent dumpster troll, but <laughs> I did like it. I liked every single thing that I read about it. Yeah, what about the I price? Yeah. Except the price. The price is horrible <laughs> and I hate it so much. Oh, <laughs> but so I would no. hate it if it were an iPhone too. That's that's kind of a that, and this price period is a deal breaker for me. Yeah, so let's talk about that because the price is $950. It's about $100 more than what they were charging last year. And a lot of people on the internet are really upset about that. And I kind of wonder, what is this outreach going to look like? Because I have a feeling, I don't I, I don't think the next iPhone is going to be $1,500. I think that's too much, although maybe maxed out with all your taxes and stuff it might be. But the next iPhone that's not the, you know, the, the S or whatever, by all accounts, that seems like that the, the, the AMOLED one, that, the one that we all want, is going to be pretty pricey. So what, I mean, is this just kind of a harbinger of things to come? Is this, are we kind of at that point now where we just are, are now in this really expensive phone era where either we're, maybe we have like, we're, we're in two worlds. You either have a really inexpensive phone that gives decent quality or you have a really expensive phone, but like this era of, you know, like $600 phones. I mean, I think it gone. might be just because the one year update cycle is kind of exhausting. I think we can all yeah. admit that. And the number the the things that are changing with each cycle are not incredibly dramatic as they sure. were in the early years of phones exist of cell phones existing. So maybe this is the new normal is maybe you're not going to be upgrading every year, but maybe you're going to make a really big purchase every like every th- couple every three, three years. years. Maybe, maybe Which, I'm just super clumsy, but it's like my screen lasts about a year like when all the scratches that get put into it you're like, not the only person yeah. i think some i yeah. think in the virtue review they mentioned scratches getting on their screen and i that's never happened to me but i totally believe that that is a thing that happens to people so i, live recklessly, I don't know maybe Simone. you do need i live very recklessly I, <laughs> so. yeah i i should stop like swathing my phone in cashmere i like to knit it like the sweaters <laughs> is the thing oh my god yeah, I don't really have a problem with the price on it. I mean, it's about what an iPhone, you know, plus is going to cost. So, you know, we'll just have to see. Um, I do want to ask you guys, like, I feel like we just papered over this before we uh, kind of move on. Uh, you know, Android Oreo, um, mm-hmm. you know, A, I feel like they really missed a, a chance with the Eclipse to really market it and have yeah. Android Oreo <laughs> in the sky. Oh, you t- they totally that. did. So hashtag brands, I'm very disappointed in you. But, um, you know, I had this moment this week, and I'd love to know if y'all have had this too, where I was using iPhone and someone kept texting me, and I figured out, like, 
you know, you have that moment where you're remembering a feature from the Apple keynote at WWDC that you just forgot about. And then like I slide it down and I realize I can like touch it and move the text bubble down and like type my like response to, I, you know, in iMessage yeah. back instantly. That is what Oreo seems like to me. Like I'm reading everything and it's like, okay, like more control over background tasks and like just a bunch of really big refinements where I can, I understand what you're saying, Christina, because it's like a bummer to spend $800 on a phone. It's not like the latest, greatest operating system, but I don't see anything there that's really critical. Do you know what yeah. I mean? No, I do. And it's, it's I think, you know, uh, Android is kind of in a similar place where iOS is, where obviously refinements happen every year. But I mean, uh, there are a bunch of big changes happening to iOS 11. But I would argue, especially now that I'm actually using iOS 11 on my phone, you know, most of them are kind of UI based. They're not really use based. There are big changes on the iPad, but on the phone itself, it, I don't see a lot of substantial differences so far in, in the way I'm using things. I'm kind of feeling the same way you are. It's like, oh, I'll discover a feature that I forgot about. But I feel like both of the operating systems are kind of so mature at this point that it is just about refinements. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like we're in the the, the, the snow leopard era of, of <laughs> all of our operating systems. Um, I mean, I do think that they're making some good changes to way notifications work. And like you said, background tasks. And there are some things that will make big differences. But I think, you know, honestly, a problem that 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 Android faces, not just with getting updates out, but, you know, all these companies, or many of them anyway, have different skins. So even when you have, you know, the latest version of Android running on these phones, they make their own modifications to what, how notifications might work. They might make their own, you know, changes to to the way, you know, you access things on the keyboard. They have different things. And so even some of these like flagship features might not be implemented the same way depending on who makes your phone. That's insufferable to me. I'm sorry. Uh <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure Verizon's developers are doing their best to make a good phone experience. <laughs> Developer, all the Verizon developers are listening. This episode of Rocket is brought to you by Squarespace. Enter mm-hmm. offer code ROCKET at checkout to get 10% off your first purchase. Make your next move with Squarespace which lets you easily create a website for your next idea with a unique domain, award-winning templates, and more things, no matter what that website might be. Maybe you want to make an online store. Maybe you want to make a portfolio. Maybe you want to make a blog. Maybe you want to make all three of those things all mashed into one Frankenstein website. Do it. You can do it. Squarespace is the all-in-one platform that lets you do it. You don't have to install anything. You don't have to worry about patches. You don't have to upgrade anything. You're just chilling in your browser, building your beautiful website. Squarespace has got all that stuff covered, and they have award-winning 24-7 customer support if you need any help along the way. And they let you quickly and easily grab a unique domain name. So go get your domain names from Squarespace and build your Squarespace websites with your own coding knowledge or with one of their award-winning beautiful templates. I like Squarespace quite a bit. I, again, am waiting for news to put on my blog so I can update my Squarespace website. I have so many pages built out. So many, I what I really need to do is like finish, finish writing some new books so that I can put beautiful pictures and descriptions on the beautiful book template pages that I made. 
on my Squarespace <laughs> website that I have been tweaking consistently for like seven months because that's what I do for fun. Oh, I love. I'm just, I'm me. just imagining like a page that's like, you know, in, in gorgeous like serif type that's all like romance covery, and it's like the passion of demon boning. By <laughs> yes, and, like you just sitting there and going like, no, it's not the right. It's it's too paisley. I need different <laughs> colors. I can. I mean, Christina, you can imagine that, right? Oh, I totally can. In yeah. fact, I, I want to see like the the Fabio style like artwork along with it is really what I want. <laughs> I, I want the paintings. Yes. Honestly, I have thought about switching my website to a serif font. I'm kind of torn <laughs> on it because I, I do think it looks good, but I don't know if it's my brand. Fortunately, Squarespace lets me preview that really easily. So I can just <laughs> boop, put a serif font as my main font. Oh, that looks nice. But what about this other non-serif font that I've been using the whole time? It looks nice, too. Oh, no, I duplicated my website so I can have two versions of it and test ideas and play back and forth with what I want. Squarespace plans start at just $12 a month, and you can start a trial, no credit card required, by going to squarespace.com. When you decide to sign up, use offer code ROCKET to get 10% off your first purchase and show your support for ROCKET. Thanks, Squarespace, for you and for me. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website. <laughs> I'm, I'm excited. I love Squarespace, but I'm really excited too. about our next sponsor that we're going to get to after the no, story. Same, oh, I bet same, you same. Are. Squarespace yeah. is great, but I want to hear your yeah. thoughts because yeah. I've had good experiences with them before. So, okay, yeah. okay, yeah. Any final thoughts about Android Oreo before we move on to our next? I think we're talk? done. All right. I'm done. Yeah. Is it time to talk about the a-hole phone? Uh, we're talking about Ellen, right? That's yeah, correct. That <laughs> is dessert. A preview of dessert. It's time to talk about Ellen Powell's amazing, amazing excerpt uh, of her book, Reset, which was published. Uh, the excerpt was published on The Cut. This it's week? published in New York Magazine. New York Magazine. They, they, oh, they, they, they only use, they only use the cut as the branding because that has a better CMS. Sorry, I, I, I'm only saying that to be pedantic because sometimes people assume that they use the women's vertical to publish women the things, and when really it was published in New York Magazine, and the cut just happens to have like the best web interface from what I understand mm-hmm. on their back. So end. when you read anyway, it, you'll sorry. go to thecut.com. <laughs> Yeah, or NewYorkBag.com, it's, it's listed there too. And it'll yeah. be in the show notes. Uh, so she published an excerpt of her book talking about the events leading up to her lawsuit against Kleiner Perkins and what that experience was like for her. And it, it's been passed around, I think, by every single woman who works in tech. And it is a really, really good read that does not cast a, a good light on anything that went on at that company and indeed in in Silicon Valley, including some some jaw-dropping moments about people that she interacted with thinking that there is no discrimination in Silicon Valley, which was a wild claim to make in uh, the 21st century. Uh, I I was going to say a year there, but then I realized that this has spanned a few years and I wasn't sure which one specifically that quote was from. Um, do you have, tell me your thoughts on this piece, my friends? So, I mean, maybe it's, I mean, I could be wrong because, I mean, both of you guys are journalists, but I've worked a lot with venture capitalists and I've worked a lot with biz dev people and 
you know, I've hung out with this crowd a lot and, um, everything she said there has happened to me a hundred times and you'll be in a meeting and somebody will say something that's just so beyond outrageous and they just don't understand it. And yeah, this is very much video games. It's, I love games desperately, but it is really, really a boys club. And, uh, you know, it's everything from, you know, like you'll have guys like, uh, I, this didn't happen to me. This happened to somebody who worked at my studio. She used to work at a different company uh, before she worked for us. And uh, it was a game dev studio in Boston. And these girls are playing uh, volleyball uh, in the center court of the office building. And like all these men like run over to the office to like push their faces against the glass and stare at these two women in bikinis. And they're sitting there just saying the most grotesque stuff in the entire world. Like she's not even there trying to do her job and stuff like that is utterly routine. Um, you know, in the, the VC space, it's even harder because at least from my experience, you have guys that are sitting there and they're talking to you and they don't want to talk about your work. Like you're almost seen there as like a, a project because of your gender, right? Like you're not taken as a professional in the same way. And they'll just tell you about how much they care out of one side of their mouth. And on the other, like they're saying things that are just really, really inappropriate and uncomfortable. So, um, you know, this is the problem, um, of women in tech. And the thing is, it's not just women in tech. Like I talked to my friends that are directors in Hollywood. They oh, face yeah, the same Holly- stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah. I, I, I've worked, you know, in, in the entertainment industry before I became a journalist and there were definitely things, you know, kind of the, the way people would talk there. And I think this is true in high finance. It's true in a lot of industries where discrimination and, and, and disparity is definitely a big thing. But moving aside from that, because I, but I think that's really important. What struck me so much about this excerpt in this essay is um, how much she kind of took head on a lot of the criticism that she faced, both men and women, um, during the the lawsuit with Kleiner, which obviously, which happened in 2015. She sued Kleiner um, of, for discrimination in 2012. It went to court uh, in 2015. She she lost, um, and we talked about the trial some, I, I think, on Rocket at the time. You know, because it was a big deal. But what was really so telling to me about this and where the discrimination, I think, comes through is that it wasn't enough that she had these things happen to her. Because in, you know, based on how you view the situation, she wasn't seen as the perfect victim because mm-hmm. there were complicated things in her life and in circumstances that, 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 that were maybe messy or just weren't, you know, just, just didn't fit in a, in a neat um, wrapper. She was judged more harshly. And had to, you know, face um, both, both, you know, a, 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 an internal and an external PR, you know, battle about those things, which I think makes makes it that much worse. You know, it's not enough to, to even if, if you're if you're discriminated against and this, these things happen to you, if you bring if you go through the proper channels, if you go even go through the court system, you have to face the facts that, but because of your gender, because of your background, you're now held to a higher standard. Than what many other, um, you know, d- um, you know, plaintiffs would be held against, which I think is is really disturbing, you know. And and I thought that the way that she wrote about how she hadn't really wanted to, you know, kind of, uh, you know, take on some of the the things that were said about her personal life, um, 
you know, a be, be, be on the offense the, the way that maybe she, maybe she sh- in retrospect should have, because it, it shaped kind of the narrative around the reporting, I think on, on the case and, and who knows what impact if any, it had on the, on the, on the jury's decision itself. I mean, it's just, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's, it goes to me what was so compelling about the read and, and the essay is just fantastic and I can't wait to read the yeah. book was yeah. um, A, I, I'd always respected, you know, Ellen Powell before this. I hadn't always agreed with some of the decisions she made at Reddit and whatnot and we talked about that on the show but I'd always respected her as a person but after reading this and, and just seeing how the, how brave it was for her to write what she wrote, um, my respect has just gone up tenfold because to be under that sort of scrutiny um, on all sides when you're in the middle of a very high profile lawsuit and to have to deal with um, with people judging you for things that aren't fair, you know, that you shouldn't have to be judged on. Um, that just, I think, shows the, how much this discrimination really goes beyond just, you know, even even an in-tech issue. It, it's like it's not enough to just be um, a victim of something. You have to then be the perfect victim for yeah. anybody to care. That, that was, I think, something that struck me, too, that looking back on any mis- quote-unquote mistakes – from her side is such a a losing battle, but she is able to present things that she feels maybe she could have done better with like this perfect clarity and like no regret, but just this sort of perfect clarity and conciseness that communicates how complicated that situation was and how at the time maybe she wasn't in a position to say there, there's an example that she uses where she's on the stand being challenged by the lawyer to name an instance in which she has helped women in this industry. And she has been instructed to not be combative and to not appear shrewish. Um, and so she appears quite cold and robotic. These are the words that she used. And in and but she is naming like examples in her mind of times when she has helped women and times when she's funded women's companies. And it's it it just really shines a light on how complicated and harrowing that was for a, a person who, again, was a victim, maybe not the quote unquote perfect victim, which is such a, a horrible weight to put on to put on people yeah. in a situation yeah. like this. One thing one thing I'd also like to say is I think it's so important that she wrote this because I was thinking about this a lot actually when we were talking about some of the other VC scandals that broke earlier this summer that we talked about on the show and 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 the the VCs that have had to step down and 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 obviously what's happened at Uber. And in one sense you could say okay, well it would be amazing if if, her, if the trial took place today in light of those things because the tenor has changed. The conversation's changed. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, you know, so so you you could say, would the jury have, have have you know found the same way? I don't know. But what I can say is, it, but it, that was kind of my first instinct was to say, oh, it'd be interesting if, if the trial had taken place in 2017 and not 2015, given what we've learned and 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 what you know, women like Susan Fowler have come forward with, and and what you know, women who are were uh, you know uh, sharing what what happened with Justin Calderback and 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 uh, Dave McClure and others. Um, you would you would wonder like if that would impact the 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 way the trial was handled the way uh, both uh, both uh, sets of lawyers acted, but then I have to think a step back and go 
I I don't know if we would have had what happened in 2017 and in 2016, going back to the, well, I guess it was 2017 with the, all, all the Susan Fowler stuff. I don't know if we would have had these conversations, if they would have even been able to be open in the public, if it mm-hmm. weren't for Ellen Powell. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if that would have happened. It, it's a really weird thing where, so even though she lost and she mentions that, and I think that's even kind of the, t- the title of the, of the New York uh, mag excerpt, um, other women won't. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the most powerful thing, kind of her her own recognition of that is that even though she lost by speaking up and by being willing to take on all the abuse and all the criticism, it has emboldened other women who have been victims of of you know harassment or discrimination to speak up and say this isn't okay. It did. It did. I I do worry though about like this culture of like. Yeah, we almost honor women that suffer. I mean, I I hate hearing that so much about my career because I get it all the time. Like, oh, you went through Gamergate. It was so – like, that's a story we almost like as a society, as women that that do that. And, you know, I think it doesn't get said enough that, like, Ellen Powell is like a – you know, she – has an excellent education and an excellent background in business development. And, you know, we we can critique her, you know, we can critique her her choices here. She's also the woman that got to sit in the commander's chair and make those decisions. Absolutely. And I just, I find it, you know, I just, I, I think what a lot of men don't understand is that it's like there's this rock around your neck all the time. And you have to deal with all this other BS in the middle of, you know, what's already a very difficult job. Um, the other thing I really wanted to say here is I don't think this gets talked about enough. You know, at at her trial, they brought in other women at this VC firm that were older women to basically destroy her and attack her and tell her everything was fine at that law firm. And, you know, if we are sitting here with three women that work in tech, I I would be honest with you guys and say the things that have happened to me in my career that have hurt the most are women that have done that to me. Sure. Because it is a culture that rewards you so much for justifying the system and, you know, kind of telling the guys they're okay. That's a great way to get ahead in your career. Mm-hmm. And I just have to believe that that must have been one of the more painful parts of this entire experience there. Cause there, there weren't that many other women working there, you know, mm-hmm. it, not a partner level. Certainly. Yeah. yeah. It's a situation where nobody wants to be the nail that sticks out, but yeah. that burden falls on every single woman to either do that or, Sell your soul. Eh, who knows? Yeah, I, I definitely I recommend reading this to anyone. It is a really, really illuminating and really well-written piece. It make, it'll make you angry all over again. <laughs> I love being angry. <laughs> this episode of Rocket is brought to you by Eero. Never think about Wi-Fi again. Eero have created the dream Wi-Fi setup, a fast, reliable connection throughout your house and even in the backyard. And now is the best time to get on board because Eero have just released their new super slick second generation devices. And that is exactly the reason that when I received these new super slick second generation devices, I said, my New York apartment 
is not the right place to test these. I'm going to send them to someone with a real house and even a backyard. So I hmm. sent them to Brianna Wu. <laughs> Tell me so, about your experience. Okay. Okay. Look, we, we get a lot of sponsors on this show. And like we do, I use Squarespace. I, I love Blue Apron. Like we, we're passionate about that. But I have to tell you guys, this is a jaw-droppingly good product. It yeah. is really, so really, really good. Um, you know, Apple has just pretty much neglected uh, updating their uh, airport technology, which is surprising because they're the ones that really brought it to fruition uh, with consumers. Um, you know, they 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 aren't really shipping new products. They aren't keeping up with new Wi-Fi standards. Uh, time capsule. Yeah, they off the team. Yeah, worked on laid off the team. Uh, Time capsule, uh, which is like a backup drive put together with uh, you know uh, your your airport Wi-Fi. Um, They still haven't solved that heat problem when they do sell it. So, like, I've bought four of those at this point at what four hundred bucks a pop because they last two or three years and the heat makes them blow up. So, like, there's a lot of space here for somebody to come along and make a product that is easy. And I have to tell you guys, like, uh, we'll get to, like, how fast it was in a second, but it was just a gorgeous box. You open it up. I plugged in the first one. I did TFA on my phone to verify it was me, uh, set up a password, and it was, like, the interface for it was completely beautiful. It was simple. It took me five minutes. And then I got the extension stations, and I did them one at a time. It's like, it wasn't hard. I freaking plugged it into a jack. Mm-hmm. And then hit a button on my phone, and it worked. And I did that twice throughout my house. And I, I took pictures of this and put it on Twitter. You know, I, I compared this new network with my Apple network, which is a, a like three airport slash time capsules like linked together throughout my house. Uh, and it is twice as fast in some situations and about three times as fast at the point uh, farthest from my modem. Dang. So, yeah. I mean, this is just a great product. It's easy to use as best as I can tell. The security on it is top notch. Yeah. And there's no reason to buy the Apple product over this that I can see other than like if you've got a time capsule. And like you want to stick with that, but this is a really good product. I am. Um, I reviewed the first version. I did a whole roundup. It never published on Gizmodo because things changed and whatnot. Maybe they'll eventually publish it at some point. But one of the one of the final projects I worked on at Gizmodo is I reviewed a bunch of mesh routers, and that's what an Eero is: is that you have instead of having one big router in your house, you have bunches of tiny ones so that you can have them in all the pockets where you have dead zones and stuff. And I I I tested a bunch of them, and the Eero was the easiest to set up. And like it, in my book, even though it wasn't the least expensive, it was like the one I said, okay, if I'm going to spend my money on this, this is what I'm buying because yeah. it, like you said, it's so easy to set up. It's so much faster. I was in the same situation, and I didn't have a house the size that you do, but I noticed, you know, that the speed differences between the Eero and my airport were like night and day. Mm-hmm. It was. It was not even. Not even. It was. It was. It was like a ha- having brand new internet again. So it's. They're awesome. So they've. In- they're introducing new beacons, and you plug those into a wall, and it expands coverage into any room, and you can add as many of those as you want, um, and you can even uh, 
basically make the the new era work with low power devices like locks and doorbells and more, which is cool for your future smart house that's voiced by Tyra Banks. And like we said, <laughs> you manage it from the palm of your hand. So the new Eero system starts at $399 for one second generation Eero and two beacons. That's everything you need to get started. And like I said, you can add more beacons. Brianna, you got you got two of those, right? You, you got, got this package basically. And I mean, can I give you some numbers here? Some yeah. hard numbers. Like my um my uh in the front of my house nearest to you know a PlayStation, uh I get about 120 with this product. Uh, before that, I was getting about 80, if I remember correctly, Jeez. with my Apple product. In the back of my house, uh, I get uh, 80 megs uh, a second. In the back of the house, where with the Apple product, I was getting about 19. So, wow. you know, this is, it's a really big difference. And, you know, I'm probably not the only person that, you know, when it's hot, I'll lay in bed with, you know, my husband and stream a movie back there. And this is just, it's drastically better. So, I'm yeah, so this glad is a great I product. This to you. Yeah, thank you, Simone. I appreciate that. So, listeners of the show can get free overnight shipping to the US or Canada when you go to eero.com, that is E E R O.com, and use the promo code ROCKET. It's free overnight shipping, promo code ROCKET at eero.com. Thank you so much, Eero, for your support of the show. And for sending us that unit to test out ourselves. Now we talk about someone who will never be a sponsor for the show. Lamborghini. (laughs) Oh, my God. What if they Uh, do? uh, We can't. We have to refuse them. We have to refuse them. Yeah. So if uh, if Mr. Lamborghini calls me on the phone. You're going to have to say sorry. Sorry, Mr. Italian. I'm so sorry. Yeah. No, Brie found the story and I loved it. So... Do you guys remember Virtu, the the company that made like the $10,000 phones, right? Yeah. Okay, well, they were sold to some Turkish exile, like scamster guy in uh, March. And then it turns out that he couldn't actually pay his bills and the whole thing was liquidated for pennies on the dollar. Ooh. Although in this case, a $50,000 phone still went for like $1,000. But I, you know, I've kind of hoped this era of, of overpriced phones, especially since We've, as we discussed earlier, the Galaxy Note 8 is like a thousand bucks. I was like, we already have expensive real phones. I thought that this whole fake, you know, like overpriced phone thing was over. But no, tell us about this this Lamborghini phone, Brie, because uh, it is insane. It's, it's like $2,500. Yeah. It's very, crazy. very mid specs. Like there's nothing about it that's particularly good. And the back of it is so ostentatious. Like it's just this. I mean, how would you even describe it? It's like, it's like a trashy leather couch exploded um, on the back of your phone. I would describe it's, it's it as riche. Italian handmade black leather brie oh, encasing okay. the I'm most sorry. luxurious technology in a liquid but, metal frame. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, they're even having to photograph it. And you can't see the dude's face in the photo. But just based on his posture, I know I would not want to talk to that guy at a bar. <laughs> I just know that. And back, the, back, yeah. back when BlackBerry still made phones, they used to right. have like a partnership with Porsche Design and it was the yeah. same sort of thing where they would charge like a premium for like this leather back and like this this thing. It was like the same BlackBerry that nobody wanted, but it had a Porsche logo on it. Like, what, yeah. I don't understand. I don't understand who buys this. You love your Lamborghini so much. You're like, I love my Lamborghini so much. I'm going to spend twenty five hundred dollars on this ugly phone that has the Ferrari, that has the Lamborghini logo on it, um, even though it's not as good as my Galaxy Note eight or my iPhone eight or whatever. I don't understand. The stitching looks ugly. The logo looks 
ugly. I don't even know what that, there's a dot in the middle of the back. I don't even know what that is. And then there's this big ass camera here. This is, this is an, uh, this is a monstrosity and I do not like it. And it, to compound, to add insult to injury, it's called the Alpha One, which is what you call a phone when you are probably a secret murderer. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. So do you guys know like the story of Lamborghini and how they came to be? No. Because it's no. really at odds with this brand. So basically, uh, Lamborghini originally was a tractor-like uh, company in uh, Italy. And uh, they were out there, and I believe it was with Ferrari, and uh, uh, the guy that owned the company, Lamborghini, was trying to get Ferrari parts. And was like, hey, maybe we could uh, make those parts for you. And like the owner of uh, you know, Ferrari is like, you can't possibly do anything <laughs> to our specs, you tractor maker. And they're like, oh, we'll see about that. And, you know, they came out with the Countach in the 80s and the 70s, which is one of the most gorgeous designs ever. And what really gets me is, I mean, you know, I am a real lover of cars. I really, really, really love cars. And Lamborghini, like, it really is one of the best of the best of the best. And like a company like Porsche, I can understand them like, yeah, because they make $50,000, $100,000 cars. I understand them licensing off their name for some crappy disk drives at Best Buy. I can, I don't <laughs> like it, but I can understand it. But Lamborghini doing this with a mid-quality phone, it's just, it's disgusting. And it's, <laughs> it's a real betrayal to the quality of that name. Because like the Murciallo, that is a really, really gorgeous work of art. So... Which raises the question, who did this? Who made this yeah. decision? Who did this? Somebody in BizDev at, 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 at Ferrari was like, you know what? Or sorry, Lamborghini was like, you know what? We're just not, we're just not getting that value. I look at all this money Ferrari makes licensing their, their name out. Look at all this money that, that the Porsche makes licensing their name out. Why aren't we in on this racket? Right. But, but what people always forget Standards. is like, well, I mean, never forget the story of Gucci, right? So mm. the house of Gucci almost fell in the 80s because they licensed their name to everybody and you could go to yep. Walmart and Kmart and buy Gucci stuff everywhere and Gucci became useless. And then Tom Ford, who was a genius, came in and took over and made it good again. And then he kind of did the same thing at LVMH and then started his own thing. But like, you know, if, if this sort of thing happens too much and at least this is priced, at least this isn't like, you know, an, a, a cheap phone, I guess it's its only saving grace, maybe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it is that it's $2,500. But, like, I have to think that this devalues the Lamborghini name a little bit. A little bit, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, so I just dropped a link into chat. and You dropped you know, the most amazing company, link oh, I've ever this. seen right. into okay. chat. KFC worked with Huawei and brought a bad phone to market, okay? It's the KFC phone is bundled with the special KFC music app. Okay, that makes sense. Totally. <laughs> KFC, I love music app. I mean, KFC is very popular in China. Right, of course. And they're not going to damage the KFC no. name. But they're also not going to like bring in like, you know, any like some genius photographer to like photograph you like eating no. KFC chicken to try to sell you some lifestyle. And there's just nobody that's going to be nobody that 
understands a Lamborghini enough to drive it and enjoy it is going to be dumb enough to fall for a $4,000 phone. I'm sorry. Exactly. And then the people who do buy it are just people who are like, oh, well, it's money and I don't care. I have more money than God. You know, I I, I, I probably live in, you know, I, 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 I maybe, you know, an oil air or something. I have, you know, so much money. It doesn't matter. You know, I, I, I can live in my huge, you know, palatial palace in the UAE. <laughs> awesome. Enjoy it. But like, no, I, I'm with you. I just don't understand. Like, it'd be one thing if the phone was at least a good, a high spec phone. But it's just, as you said, it's like a mid-range Android. It's it's yep. at least running just with ugly modern logos. software with ugly logos. I mean, at least, it, 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 look, it's the better KFC than Beer 2. The KFC phone honestly looks better than this phone. And I kind of like the KFC is raising phone. the stakes because you've reminded me that they just launched a new online store selling the most amazing shirts that I have ever seen that are actually really nice. You guys have seen this KFC merch, right? Oh, my no, God. I haven't. It's freaking amazing. I'm sending, they have this beautiful, (gasps) KFC is not paying me for this. I just have coworkers who are wearing their KFC merch in the office. The fried chicken shirt that's like sold out a meteorite. Oh, uh, yeah. The KFC sandwich for twenty two hundred twenty thousand dollars. This art is so good. No, I, I'm so mad that oh. I didn't get that Fried Chicken USA sweatshirt for $76. Oh, I'm this furious. Is so good. You can still get a pillow with the colonel's face, though. Yeah, I can so. get a lapel pin, and I can get um, a classic thing. Oh, my God. All the shirts are sold out except for the one with the colonel's face. I might have to buy that, actually. Yeah. Yeah, I think you, you, you owe it to yourself. Christina, Don't go to the KFC life. store unless you want to be upset by how much stuff is sold out. Anyway, if you want to spend $2,000, don't do it on a Lamborghini phone, which we probably don't even need to tell you. Do it. Can I just tell you, KFC. take that money and go find a therapist <laughs> and find what is hey, give wrong it to me. with your life. Do, no, give, I mean, give, like, I, I, I understand. Out- I'm just saying yeah. I would take the money. Like I'll help you <laughs> make all of your dreams come true and everything yes. will be fine. I'm just saying like for m- way less than you can spend on, on, on a Lamborghini phone, like we, I, I, I don't even know. Just saying yeah. like yeah. share the wealth. Even Christina yeah. will help you. Yeah. Yes, right. give, exactly. it, give it to charity. Give it to charity. Donate it to my campaign. Don't buy the Lamborghini phone. <laughs> there you go. There you go, there Bree. Go. Yep. Bree, what are you up to this week? Oh my God, so much stuff. I am so busy Hey-o. this week. Uh, we've got an ad coming out tomorrow on uh, Trump's unhinged, uh, very disturbing, unstable uh, speech from last night. Um, it was really disturbing. I spent a lot of chada today in a um, video editing bay watching that with my team. <laughs> um, so, you know, we've got a, we have an ad coming out tomorrow frankly, calling for impeachment. Um, it was really, really disturbing. Um, we've got just a bunch of campaign events this week. Uh, and I'm also putting down a bid on a Lotus. So I'm very excited about hey. that. So, yeah. God, you got a lot busy. going on. I what do. Have, what about you, Christina? So um, I'm still doing my weekly uh, show on Channel 9 called This Week in Channel 9, where we kind of uh, cover not just everything, that, the Microsoft world, obviously, but but a lot of it is, is things that are happening in open source and kind of around the community. It's a fun show. Um, we shot our episode. We usually shoot on Thursdays and it goes up on Fridays. We shot early this week, um, but it will uh, still be up on Friday as usual. So that's really fun. Um, and I, I really enjoy doing that. So that's Christina that's show link in the show notes. Yeah, I did a tally today and realized that I have four shows that are not even out. I'm 
mad at myself. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm not mad at myself. I'm very, I'm very happy and excited. But I'm like, oh my god, I have so much cool stuff that's happening, and none of it uh, can be seen by humans except for me. So that's cool. Um, but hey, stay tuned. Um, so I'm working, working hard on editing a lot of videos and making appointments and making pitches and um, gen- just generally, just generally losing my mind. And I really enjoy I, that. I think you mean being awesome, Simone. Yeah, yeah for real. That, yeah. I mean, have you yeah. heard my ad reads? Do I not lose I, my I mind have. a little bit when I do that? They're also awesome. That's where awesome. your power is. Yeah. Your power is when you're just sliding away from sanity, like maybe 10%. <laughs> That's when you're at your top, Simone. Thank you. <laughs> I just bought the Colonel Sanders shirt. God, oh, envy. I love you, Christina. I'm legitimately just going to sneak into my coworkers' houses and take their chicken shirts from their laundry. Because I want so, them. So if I win my Lotus, Christina, I have to fly to Seattle to pick it up. So you're going to have oh. to be in this, the, the, the Colonel Sanders shirt yes, to get absolutely. into my Lotus. Without a that doubt, is, Bree. Yeah. I, will, I will pick you up at the airport. Okay. There we go. Grant and I will pick you up at the airport and drive you to, to wherever you need to get your it Lotus. It will be amazing. It will be amazing. I mean, the, the, I, th- I think the one thing might be like Grant will, will have to go for a ride with you in the Lotus. <laughs> Can he drive a stick? He can, of course well, he maybe can. He could teach yeah. my husband too, because he can. Okay. So, oh. well, before we find you in the Seattle airport, Christina, where can we find you online? You can find me at um, at film underscore girl on the Twitters, the Instagrams, the Snapchats, etc. How excellent! And Brianna, why don't you tell us where we can watch your ad when it goes? Well, up? it'll be up on uh, it'll be up on Twitter uh, tomorrow. I'll post it there and all the links. Uh, but if you want to support my campaign for Congress, like we're really hard on you know net neutrality, like just straight down the line, every single tech issue we care about, like privacy, you know, non um, you know getting rid of these terrible non compete agreements uh, for workers, you know, just straight down the line, like I'm fighting for you. So if you want to you know donate to my congressional campaign, you can do that at supportbriana.com. and you can follow me on Twitter at SpaceCatGal. Hey, and you can follow me on Twitter at Doom Quasar, and you can find my videos at youtube.com slash polygon. I shouldn't say that I have nothing new up because there was a new awful squad this week, and it was awesome. Um, And other than that, just stay tuned to that channel to find my work. And you can review the show at Apple Podcasts. I lost my train. <laughs> Yeah, I lost your power. Where's my power? I've got it. I've got it. Hey, if you enjoy the show, you can review it at Apple Podcasts, and that helps other people find the show. And then everyone finds the show and is happy finding the show together and then listening to the show in your ear holes. Do that for us to make us happy. Thanks. This has been another episode of Rocket, and it is terminated. 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 